on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We give you our wish list for OU's offense and defense for the rest of the season. We also recap the best games of week seven of college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, October 15th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. How was the bye weekend, Ted? How we doing, man? Recharged? Recharged as much as I can be. Um, I'm ready to get back into it a little bit. We got the stretch run ahead of us. going to be fun. It it was almost one of those where I was like, I don't want a bye weekend this weekend. <laughs> like This thing feels like it's rolling now. Good chance for some guys that are banged up to get a little healthier, right? That's always huge. But, yeah, I kind of, as I was watching these teams play on Saturday, I was kind of like, I wish we were still in the fight. I agree. I agree. So, we did this last year. We're going to do it again. It is is what we call our wish list. Now, I went back and listened to a little bit of what we said last year. We were in a very different place mentally and emotionally. I wish we win a game. <laughs> so with this being, you know, the suitors being six and oh, and we're all feeling really good about things. This one's going to sound a little different, but yeah, we call it our wish list. So basically what we're hoping to see, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the defense first and we'll talk about the offense, but basically things we're looking for uh, that we'll hope improved now first and foremost just get this out of the way we want them to win every game and we want everyone to stay healthy i feel like we don't need to go deep into those uh into those topics we we would like them to go undefeated and no one to get hurt i feel like that's a that's a fair place to start and it's just kind of a given right so we don't have to go wish list uh beat ucf uh wish list beat oklahoma state uh yeah let's we can hit some individual topics yeah we'll uh We'll look at stuff a little more specific, I suppose. Now, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. Ted, 
Take it where you, wherever you want to go. Your wish list for OU's defense the rest of the season. Well, I guess first and foremost is to get as healthy as we can be because I, I still don't think we're we're seeing our Mason Thomas be right. And I think he's one of, if not the best, uh, you know, snap in, snap out, pass rusher maybe that we have. Um, we just haven't been able to see him a whole lot this year. So we'd like to see him get healthy. But um, more than anything, I want to I just see, if, if you want to take kind of the big, big picture of it, the entire defensive line to continue to play like they have. And we're starting to get some more, more guys show up and play well. And I think everyone's feeding in to where they're at defensively right now. So just – I guess you would you would say the defensive line to continue to click and get healthy and some of those guys to add on as the season rolls on. Yeah, that's that that kind of ties into one that I had on my wish list for the defense. Basically just keep playing with the physicality that we saw from that group in the Texas game. Right. And I know that I know that there's just a certain intensity that comes with that atmosphere, that environment, that rivalry, that it's just, it's impossible to replicate. But if you can get to as close as possible as what we saw from that group, right from a physicality standpoint, this defense is going to be in really, really good shape. And you think about the production they had in that game. What was it? 10 TFLs, five sacks, like all kinds of guys making play. plays co terry lacy kelly like the list went on and on if you especially can get that interior group to play with the physicality we saw on the field in the cotton bowl defense is going to be a good shape man that's just in and you know my philosophy you cannot play great defense unless you have a badass defensive line and you don't have to have a bunch of first round draft picks it helps it helps. There's no doubt about it. But if you got a bunch of tough dudes that want to play with that edge, that physicality, like that is, that's a great foundation to play great defense. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, if you want to talk about like individual guys, uh, my wish list says that uh, I wish Ethan Downs shows up the rest of the season like he showed up against Texas. That dude was – he was on one against Texas, and that's that's exactly what we need. We need that type of, of, of play from him. He was on a mission. So I know it's there. I know it's there, and he can bring it every week. Not that he hasn't. You know, it's – he's not a guy that, you know, is really up and down, but he had something extra in that game, and hopefully there's something that clicks with him, and and he shows up like that every week this uh the rest of the season moving forward. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned Downs. You also mentioned our Mason Thomas and that that goes perfectly with one of mine for the defense. Hash rushers to emerge. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'm with you. I think that our Mason Thomas with where everyone is at along that defensive line in that edge room, I think he's the most naturally gifted pass rusher we have. Just got to get that ankle right, man. Mm-hmm. And he's got to stay right. 
right? Can't go out there, play 10 plays, and then be like, ah, starting to hurt again. You can't you you have to be able to count on a guy to play an entire football game. Right. Right. Or then you're really not counting on him. So right. you combine that with what we saw from Ethan Downs against Texas. And then what we the glimpses we've seen from PJ. Those three guys are the ones I look at. And it's nothing against any of the other guys. Right. Trace Ford's done some really good things, but those three guys, if you can get them to take it to another level as pass rushers, right? With with all the explosiveness R. Mason Thomas has out of his stance, with all of just the unbelievable potential PJ's got, and then kind of that physicality, just be real, the kind of that physicality psycho guy with Ethan Downs. Mm-hmm. Those three guys, if you can really get them going, rushing the passer, then that that adds a completely new element to this defense. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, we, we've done a good job just as, a, as an entire defense and as a group on the defensive line of, of being so dangerous that teams, we, we haven't got a whole lot of just straight drop back pass. Teams are trying to avoid that with us. And Venables does a great job bringing pressure from all kinds of different places, kind of keeping offenses guessing to where they got to leave guys in and they're having trouble getting out. Um, you know, but I, I think that you, you just got to continue to to keep moving on. And I think they have, I, for me, I, I also go to the next level. Um, and I, I, I mean, I've been saying this for a while and it's not a complaint on anything, but I just think the production you can't argue with. I'd like to see some more Kip Lewis. Now, I don't know how you work that rotation out. Um, you know, I, and it may be one of those things where you don't upset what you've got going right now at inside backer with Stutzman and, and Canick Stutzman's playing at an extremely high level at the will backer. You'd have to move him to Mike for Kip Lewis to come in. So you may not, I mean, that's probably the reason that you're, that you're not doing it, but you you can't argue with the production, man. Whenever he's out there, he makes plays over and over and over. So that's one of those in there. I kind of understand that we may not see it, but I still like to see him out there on the field as much as possible. Even if it means we have to play goal line a bunch, you know, I, I'd prefer not to have to play goal line a ton because that means teams are moving the ball. But no, he, every time he's out there, he seems to make plays and to be around the football. Right. And Venables has talked a lot about, hey, man, the guy just has great instincts. And it's clear the physical tools are there as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that it's like we're it's like we're on the same brave uh, wavelength right here, man, because one of mine is I was thinking about last year and you were the one that pointed out 
that things started to seem to really come together for Stutzman in the last four or five games of the season, mm-hmm. right? And my hope is the same thing happens for Canick this season, right? Because he hasn't, despite making a lot of plays, despite, you know, showcasing that, that speed that he's got, like, he hasn't quite put it all together yet, right? At that Mike Backer spot. But I feel like it's time for him to make the jump that we saw Stutzman make last year. Right. Yeah. And that was, and, and correct me if you disagree, but I thought that when you pointed that out last year for Stutzman, it was more mental than anything. Yeah. Right. Just seeing everything, just understanding, you know, where he fit in the framework of the defense. My hope is that what we saw from Stutzman in the back half of the year last season is what we're going to see from Canick in the back half of this season. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think he's, He's done a little bit of uh, two steps forward, one step back throughout the year. I mean, there's been there's been big game, there's been good games, and then there's been games where, you know, it seems like it kind of piles up on him. And I think usually, it seems to fall apart a little bit late. And I think that's just, you know, just mentally, like exhausted after so many snaps, just trying to stay in the mix and in the fight and know where you're supposed to be, and I think that he's – there's a couple of things. Number one, I think he's he's starting off with less of a base than what Stutzman started off with, you know, because he just didn't have the the position experience. And number two, he's playing a much more difficult position. Uh, Mike linebacker is way more difficult to play than the Will linebacker is um, for a bunch of reasons. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that he's made some some nice strides and there's there's a couple every now and then – you could see that it just clicks and and he plays really good. So hopefully, you know, he starts to have more and more of those moments because yeah, he's getting he's getting pretty deep in now. You've 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 he's played 70 plus snaps around that for six straight games, you know, not including all the practice stuff. And he was the starter at that spot through spring and through training camp. So, you know, he sh- he should be really starting to hit that that acceleration to take off on this back half of the season. Yeah. I mean, they need him to, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because he, he, he is going to, he's going to be in positions right, where he's going to, he's going to have to make a lot of plays. Right? That's just, that's what comes with that position in Venables' defense. Right. Obviously, yeah. you know that as well as anyone, but I, I think there's there's a jump for him to make right in the back half of the year. And I think that kind of this reset of the bye week and having some time to get back to the fundamentals, kind of clear your head, wipe the slate clean, right? I don't know. I just – I feel like that there needs to be a jump for him. And yeah. that, that's what I anticipate. Yeah. No, I, I, there's there's no doubt. It, it has to happen. Um and you'd like to see it sooner rather than later. You know, I, I think you're six games in. I, I I don't think we'll see any type of change up in the lineup at this point. I think you're kind of married to what you're going to roll with. Um, but, you know, if, if he can, if he plays better and I'm not I'm not sitting here suggesting that he's playing bad. 
but if he plays better and and he and he just turns up the volume a little bit from where he's at, it'll help this defense exponentially. You know, those 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 run fits, those you know, the passing lanes, you know, just some of the things like that's the difference in, in being really good defensively and you know, just kind of being I I mean, not to suggest that we're not we're playing really good as a group, but we can be much better. And he's he's one of those spots that can really take us to the next level. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, you got anything else? Defensive wish wish list. Just that we get and stay healthy at corner. You know, Gentry Williams. I, I think he's fine. I don't think there's anything there but we're kind of hanging on to our butts there at the end of that texas game you got key lawrence playing playing corner we don't want key lawrence playing corner i I think he's had a great year at safety but you know and he did a good job coming in but i'd i'd like to see us get a little healthier at that position for sure i mean i don't know if if we should expect josiah wagner at any point i know he's gone out there just it almost seems like you know, to, to plug a spot has been kind of his, his duty out there. But if we could get him on board, healthy, ready to go, make sure Gentry's ready to go. Like we're, we've got depth at corner until something happens. And then all of a sudden it's like, we don't have any depth at corner, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That's, that's one of those things where I think the last person that wants key Lawrence playing corner is key Lawrence. (laughs) No kidding. He's not. I, I'm not saying Key doesn't embrace the challenge, and he did, right, when he had to do it in the Texas game. But my man's practicing. He he, he wants to play safety. Yep. I, I, I'm relatively confident in that. So, yeah, I am. Um, and Gentry Williams has been – I mean, how good has that guy been through the first half of the season? I I think he's one of – if 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 not the biggest um, – you know, I mean this in a, in a really good way – like shock and surprise of the entire conference, you know, of any one, one player, like he's been, he's been excellent from a guy that, you know, we thought was going to be competing at that spot and, you know, maybe be battling throughout the year. Right. He's been as productive as anyone in the conference. I think there's what, there's a bunch of guys tied with three interceptions and then, and maybe it's changed through this weekend, but uh, one person with four and he's right there bunch of tackles for loss he's been great he has been now the only other thing i have on my wish list i cannot say wish list my goodness it's kind of wish it's not list as you think uh i i did not think i was going to struggle with that but here we are the only thing i have left is just give me more peyton bowen i don't even know i I don't even know where he's going to be at but just that guy he's fun to watch Man, it's so talented. You know, a lot has been said and written about his football IQ. And I don't know, man, he is just, he's a dynamic playmaker on defense. And he's one of those types of guys that he's so talented. He's no longer a freshman in my mind, right? No, he's played too much now at this point to be considered a freshman. So I, I would imagine he's gained a lot of confidence from what he's been able to do the last couple of weeks. And I just, I, I expect this guy to make a lot of plays throw you down the stretch. I mean, he's just, he's, he's too talented not to, in my mind. Yeah. I, I fully expect him to. And, you know, maybe, 
depending on the matchups and, you know, if we get a team that plays more four wide, maybe you see them dedicate him to that cheetah spot for an entire game, you know, because we've been doing like the Sam nickel thing right now with McCullough and Kendall Dolby coming in. And I think that's worked well. And they found like a really nice rhythm with that, you know, depending on the personnel group that they're getting. Uh, but, you know, if you have a team that maybe stays a little bit more four wide and runs it out of four wide and stuff, maybe you see Peyton Bowen play that that spot for an entire game. I don't know. You got anything else? Keep tackling well. There you keep, go. Keep doing a lot of the things that you've done. You know, keep keep tackling well. Keep defending the deep ball well like we have. Keep getting to the quarterback. A lot of it's just kind of stay the course, which is, you know, it's a good place to be. Yeah. When you're 6-0, and that, there's only so much you can complain about, right? That's right. That's right. All right, let's get to our offensive wish list. But first... Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or you simply want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com. And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. Wish list for OU's offense the rest of the season. I'm starting here. And this is something we really haven't talked a lot about, Ted. Keep, keep taking care of the ball. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was going through this exercise, and I was like, okay, where can we where can we see improvement from this group? Like, what is this group doing really well that I want them to keep doing really well? And they have done a phenomenal job of taking care of the football. Ball security's been great. Dylan Gabriel's got two interceptions. He lost the fumble against Cincinnati. What the only other turnover is for Farouk fumbling on the kickoff return versus Tulsa. Yep. They've turned the ball over four times this year. So, I mean, that is, that's excellent. I think they're number two in the country in turnover margin. Yeah. Yep. If they continue to take care of the football the way that they have, they're going to continue to win football games. I know that sounds simple, but they have been, I, 
I, I wasn't surprised when I was going through it, but I was just like, damn, that's, that's really good. Yeah. And you don't have to look very far to find a bunch of examples to where perhaps uh, the better team or even teams that are pretty evenly matched, the team that turns it over loses and oftentimes isn't even close and ends up being non-competitive. Uh, you you cannot turn the football over and you know I think we've we've been really good around here for a long time at taking care of the football. You know, it's one of the things that has carried over for a long time and and this group has kind of taken it to the next level and it's not easy. It's not easy. You got to be super sharp. Um, you got to have a little luck, you know, sometimes things happen a tip pass goes to another guy, um, got to have a little luck, but I think that they've, they've done one, done a, maybe one of the better jobs we've seen in a long time at taking care of the football. It's been great. Yeah. And Dylan Gabriel has been a good part of that, right? Or he's been a big part of it yep. right now. He's got to, he's got can continue to make good decisions with the football while also being the proper amount of aggressive right in the passing game and i feel like he's done a good job with that with that mix so far this season all right what do you got wish list for the offense well i'll start with uh with wide receiver um and i know with the the news of andrell anthony which wish number one uh everything goes well in the surgery and everything goes great with the rehab for andrell anthony um but Nick Anderson to, you know, this, this is, this is the spot, you know, he's been playing really well uh, with all the opportunities that he gets. Uh, I, I think that he can, he can take it to the next level here and really announce himself as one of the emerging elite wide receivers across the country, you know, from this point forward. Um, I think that's going to be big and, Another thing for me is I'd like to see us – we have a fast wide receiver core. Um, it's one of the great things about this group. And obviously it took a hit, a hit with Andrew Anthony. But uh, with Brendan Thompson, I'd like to see us use him with his speed to stress defenses. Now, he's done it only a handful of times. only been out there a couple of times. But his vertical speed – where he takes the top off of the defense is incredibly impressive. But you can also stress a defense with speed laterally. Whenever you take a guy that's got elite speed and bring him in motion across the formation and snap the ball on, in, a, in a condensed formation and expand it with width, it stresses the hell out of a defense. And guys have to bail out and it creates a ton of space in the middle of the field as the defense expands and guys are trying to rush to relate to their their zones. I, I think that's something that we could utilize way better. We do a lot of motion and we do a lot of fakes and, you know, fake and then throw the bubble or just give it on the quick. But we rarely do it with elite speed. And I think we could do that with Brendan Thompson and it could really change like some of the, like the way Dylan Gabriel's able to open the field up in the offense. Yeah. What you just described there, this is kind of what it made me think of 
you remember how TCU used Darius Davis last year? Yeah. Right, where you you were seeing him, you know, like trying to get that corner and a lot of that stuff. And mm-hmm. they got him the ball in several of those opportunities, and he had a bunch of big plays. Like that's kind of what I'm envisioning with what you're describing. How yeah. wh- how you want to see him use Brendan Thompson? Yeah, uh, I like that. You know, but he, he, the other thing is, like, I don't even you didn't he necessarily doesn't even have to have the ball in his hands for that. You know, just like like I said, whenever you when you stress someone horizontally and he gets out of the route laterally. The whole defense has to like it's stressing to keep leverage on everyone, and you could do that too. But yes, uh, just like Darius Davis. Now I don't know because I just haven't seen a whole lot of him. I don't know how he is with the ball in his hands, and you know, can he avoid? Can he make guys miss? Is he is he one of those type of players? If he is, then absolutely, yeah. And I just think that we've got elite speed on our team. Let's use it. I'm with you. I, I, I kind of feel – I also feel like there's – with everything that we were told about Gavin Freeman leading into the season, I feel like now that, you know, Andrew Anthony's lost for the rest of the year, and I know Gavin's more of a slot guy than an outside wide receiver, but I, I feel like there's got to be some more opportunities for him as well. Same, same for Jaden Gibson who's made some really nice competitive plays this season when he's gotten his opportunities. But like, I look at those two guys as well and it all kind of falls under the umbrella of, Hey, filling the void left from Andrew Anthony's injury. Yeah. But yeah, I, it, it seems like it's going to be more of a group effort. Now, would it be nice if Nick Anderson just turns into an absolute monster and kind of just fills the void entirely by being, just a complete stud. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, but even if he does that, someone's going to have to fill the the, vo- the void or the role that he was playing. You know, right. I kind of expect it to stair step a little bit that Nick Anderson steps up into the next spot where Andrew Anthony was, and Jaden Gibson steps into the role that Nick Anderson has provided. And, you know, both of those guys should be, you know, should see some more snaps. And I'm with you on, on the Gavin Freeman stuff. It's, I mean, it's kind of curious, right? Like, yeah. How much I mean, Venables publicly said he had been the team's best wide receiver, right? It's not like we're just making something out of thin air. The head football coach said that. So, yeah. I, I you know, at a minimum, he he provides great depth. Uh, if anything should happen to to the slot guys ahead of him, but um, I also think there's a role there and. You know, you can play that right into special teams because special teams, not to skip past the rest of the offense, but that's on the wish list too. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll get to that. I, I believe there were uh, a response or two about the special teams phase of the game uh, when we get to call your shot. Yeah. Right? Now, sticking with the offense, and this is something we've talked about all season long, and we're going to continue to talk about it until – we see more explosive runs right now. I, I am to a point where I believe the, the passing game, right? I, I think that pass protection is this offensive line strength. Uh, I think Dylan Gabriel is playing at a really high level. I think the wide receivers have done a really nice job. Like I think the passing game is the strength of this offense. I'm not necessarily asking them to run it more, 
because I think the passing game is the strength of the offense. I'm just looking for some more chunk runs, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I went and I was I was looking at the running backs' longest runs this year. Tawi's got a 30 yarder. Marcus Majors' longest run of the year is 19 yards. Javante Barnes' longest run of the year is 17 yards. That that it's just not good enough. Right? You need some 40s, some 50s. Like you have to have those explosive runs that are just crippling for a defense. Right. And now Dylan Gabriel, he is, we saw him as a bigger factor as a runner against Texas, but I really would just like to see this, what I would call traditional run game for the Sooners, just produce some more explosive runs. They, they need to do it. They have to do it. If this team wants to be what it wants to be, they have to have more explosive runs in the running game. Just has to happen, man. No doubt about it. You know, the way defense works is, you know, you've got a you got an entire playbook of stuff that you want to call. And there, there really is no perfect call. In defense, you're always playing the game of, you know, we have to give a little bit here to get a little bit here, right? Whenever it comes to defending the run and defending the pass. Uh, you're always giving up a little bit of something in order to stop something else. And the way our running game has been offensively, we haven't forced defenses to really have to gamble giving things up to stop the run. You know, we've been good in the run. We've been efficient. You know, I think it's been a nice weapon for us. But I don't think defensive coordinators – are holding staff meetings on Sunday whenever they're starting their preparation for Oklahoma saying, guys, we are in trouble if we don't stop the run with Oklahoma. We're going to have to, we're going to have to change the way we fit some things. We're going to have to change the way we, we, you know, the depth our safeties are at or whatever it might be. It's been, it's been good. It hasn't been, game plan changing for defenses. And as soon as it is, when you start to really make teams pay with those long runs you're talking about, okay, we've got to change something in order to stop the run. And that's whenever you open up the big plays in the passing game, which we've we've been able to complete. But you know, that's just we haven't forced that issue on defenses yet. No. And the offense has still been really good. Really good. Yeah. So imagine the level it could get to if they start ripping off 35, 40, 45 yard runs. And I don't care who it is. That's what they, I feel like the fan base, there's this big debate. Who's the best running back? Which guy should be playing X amount of time? I don't care. I just want Chuck runs. I don't care if it's Sawchuck. I don't care if it's Tawi. It does not matter to me. You just have to have them. I don't care who it is. So we'll, we'll see. But, that that has to happen and it kind of it kind of goes with some thoughts i have on the offensive line right so tyler guyton i'll start there if he if he wants this to be his last season of college football he's got to make a jump 
And this is about the time last year we saw Anton Harrison start to put it all together. If that's what Guyton's goal is, right? If he wants to be a first rounder in the next draft, he's got to start playing at a higher level, especially in the run game. And I think he is absolutely capable of it. But if that's his goal, it's got to start with this game against UCF coming up. Right? You got to put it on tape if you want to be a first rounder. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what Tyler's goals are. I got to imagine he wants to be a first round draft pick sooner rather than later. And he has that opportunity. He has that capability, but it's got to start. It's got to start now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I I think he's got those, those capabilities. Everyone does. We've heard everyone talk about it. Uh, Bill Beatonbo said it, you know, a million times that, Talent wise, he's the best he's ever coached. You know, just just pure, uh, you know, physical traits, athleticism, all of those things built in. Um, you know, and he's 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 been pretty raw. He doesn't have a real long background in offensive lines, so maybe the learning curve's been a little bit different for him. But you're right. I mean, you know, talent and and how you like what your trajectory looks like at the next level, it can get you a long ways. Like they will take risks at the next level on guys. But, you know, whenever you start talking about first round money, you know, top 20, top 15 type of, of talent, there has to be more substance there than just like, it looks good on paper, right? It's got to look good on film. So, and I know that he has some moments where it's like, wow, it sticks out, but got to have some more consistency. And he's capable of that. Just trying to figure out where I fall and whether or not I want him to find it or not. <laughs> Listen, I, I hear you. No, you're right. I, this is, this is where I'm always at with these conversations. Cause yes, if you think about the future for OU, especially next year, going into the season, right. Going into the sec the best thing for OU football would be for Tyler Guyton to be part of that football team. We can all agree on that. But I also want him to play to his highest level. Mm-hmm. Right? And if he plays, if he plays to that level, he's going to be gone, man. I mean, he's just yep. he's too yep. physically gifted. Now, we'll see how it all works out, but that is that is something like my hope is that he makes a similar jump. It's kind of like the Canick conversation we had that he makes a similar jump that we saw from Anton Harrison last year, where it really seemed to all come together for him. And uh, I, I'm hoping we see that from Guyton. And I think I, it, I think he's more than capable of it. It was one of the, one of the best things I've seen in a long time last year. Harrison, he was good all year long, but he went from a, what felt like a, a young-ish player with a ton of potential and upside to by the end of the year and then like at the pro day, it's like he was a 15-year vet, right? Just like he – it's almost like he just settled all the way down and had a confidence level, um, knew where he was supposed to be and trusted the technique. It was it was an evolution. Yeah. I want the same evolution to happen for Guyton. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, and I, 
I think he can do it now. Caden Green. What are you going to be this year? I want to make something very clear. I think Caden Green's going to be an absolute stud in his career at Oklahoma. But it feels like they need him in a big in a big way now. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just how it feels to me. Right? And, and I like Troy Everett as a player. I think he's got a very bright future at center there at OU. And with Matoyer being banked up at right guard, it, it, we'll see how that all works out. Right? We'll, we'll see what that looks like against UCF. But Caden Green is a guy that it it's been far from perfect, but there have been some glimpses where you go, okay. So is he my my hope is that he starts kind of what I think is going to be a really, really good career. That he starts building that resume now. Because this team needs him. Mm-hmm. They need like the the power, the athleticism that he brings to the interior, right? Feels like this team needs him to me. So when you're talking about the wish list, uh, Caden Green, come on down, man. You're now, not a freshman what, anymore. Time to mix it up. What do you think is, uh, I guess, what's the wish list for the for the interior offensive line over the next couple of weeks while we get a clearer picture on Metallier? I I would assume that you know, top of the list starts like, hey, Metallier, fly to Germany and have him work on that ankle. Do you see Aaron Rodgers out pregame throwing footballs? Dude, whatever Aaron Rodgers is doing, we need to get it for Matoyer immediately. Need that ankle to get get good fast. But yeah, I think that I think they'll be able to piece it together, right? They've got they've got some some teams coming up that don't exactly have strong interior defensive lines. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think they'll be able to make it work. It'll be interesting to see if they move Everett around, like if he can go left guard and right guard, or if they like they're more comfortable with Schaefer there. But I'd be really surprised if Matoyer's ready to go against UCF with the way that that injury looked. So, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I, I just hope that he can get back as soon as possible, right? Because he does bring a certain level of consistency to that right guard spot, and I mean he's the leader. He's one of the leaders in that room, him and Rame. It seems like those guys really are the vocal guys in that group for the most part. But yeah, I, I'm not terribly concerned about it, but it's kind of similar to what you said about corner. All of a sudden, if another guy goes down, then you're going, okay, wait, wait a second here. Right. We are in a, we're not in the spot you want to be in. Yep. So we'll, uh, We'll see. I am I'm very curious to see what it looks like against UCF. I'll I'll tell you that. Well you got anything else? No, I think uh I think that's about it, honestly. Um feels like we're in a pretty good spot. Now, I will say this the remaining schedule looks far easier than it is. No doubt. I know there's a bunch of people saying, Oh, we're gonna win out, no problem. It don't work that way. I'm not saying we can't win out. That's not what I mean. It's just to cruise in all those games is unlikely. We're going to be in some dogfights. There's no doubt about it. That's just how college football works. Yeah. 
So it works. And uh, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys, right, your your number one thing you're hoping to see moving forward for OU's offense and defense. Uh, this first one comes from Dylan Polston, who says, not losing our intensity. Prior to the Texas game, they had a lot to prove, not just to themselves, but to the fans, national media, ETC. Now that we've shown who we are and what we are capable of, I'm hoping intensity and passion we had when we were overlooked sticks around. Well said. Um, I I can understand. I, it's human nature, right, to to go out, win a big game, and naturally let off the gas. It's just, okay, we won a big one. The rest of them don't look as difficult. We can let our guard down a little bit here and, and kind of take stock of what's happened. That's human nature. And I can guarantee you. I can't guarantee you what the what it's going to look like on the field, but I can guarantee you the head coach is not allowing any resting on what you've done resting on on what your performance has been up to this point and i i maintain that a good thing about that texas game is that there it is riddled with mistakes riddled with poor play like there's no way you can look at that film as a football team honestly and say we're where we need to be you just cannot do it so i think that is a concern and it's a legitimate concern I just I know that that's not the atmosphere in that in that facility right now. You've lived that. I've lived it. You've lived I've, it. I've seen it firsthand. That uh, Brent Venables. That's that's not his style. He is as demanding as they come, even if you're playing really well. Usually, it gets worse the better you're playing. Isn't that fun how that works? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this other one comes from Mike Fife, who says, need to fix the kicking game with constant improvement everywhere else and with the attitude and talent of this team, the sky is the limit. He's right about the kicking game, right? Field goal kicking's got to be better. The kickoffs need to be better. Uh, the punting needs to be better. Just special teams, I feel like in general, they've done some really good things, but also there's been some things where basically you and I have come away going, hey, man, this stuff can end up costing this team a football game. And if you get beat on offense and defense, that's one thing, okay? If the other team just pushes you around, right? They are just better that day. But please, please just get the special team stuff ironed out. Please. Yep. And, you know, honestly, they've opened up Pandora's box when it comes to special teams. And you've heard us say this on here a bunch, and it's going to continue for as long as we do this. Football is a copycat sport. When somebody exposes something, get ready, because everyone is going to try and do the same thing. They're going to try and expose the weakness of your football team until you prove and even after you've proven it, but until you prove that that you have uh, successfully bolstered that part and, you know, you get a punt block for a touchdown, well, get ready. Everyone's going to start rushing the punt every single time on you, right? And it's also where 
you got to think about the the game planning session, the brainstorming whenever you're sitting around with a group of coaches saying, how do we gain an edge against Oklahoma? Gosh, they got top five scoring defense. They got a top five scoring offense. Special teams. Special teams is going to be the window that everyone looks to where they can maybe swing the pendulum into their favor, uh, whether it's surprise on sides, whether it's, you know, pump blocks or fakes or whatever it may be. You're going to have to be extra prepared for that moving forward. No doubt about it. All right, let's get to our week seven college football recaps. But first, John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie and tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family-owned and operated, no matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head, head to, to the, the garage. garage. Oh, you got it. You got it. Go. <laughs> head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Week seven in college football, uh, two big games that we're going to recap. Let's start with Oregon getting beat 36-33 by the Washington Huskies. Ted, where do you want to start the conversation about this game? Do you want to start with how awesome Michael Penix is? Or do you want to start the discussion with some of Dan Lanning's decision-making? Where do you want to go? Can I start by saying that environment looked awesome? It looked... Yeah, I, I've always heard that that place is very loud. It sounded very loud. It looked like a really tough place to play for Oregon. Now, yeah, they that, didn't do themselves any favors with those jerseys they showed up in. What in the world? That was weird. Yeah. that. Uh, it, if you're playing in a game that big, you got to have at least a hint of the school color in your jersey, in my opinion. Just a I little agree. green, a little yellow, just a splash here or there somewhere. Everyone knows my opinion on this. Like, If you're in a game of that magnitude, you need to have the the marketing that the – the branding that you've worked your the entire history of the program to build on full display, right? Whenever people turn the the t- television to that channel, they should know instantly who's playing on the field with your uniforms. Tradition. 
So, but they were kind of don't have one, but yeah, that, that place was awesome. And Penix say what you want. You know, they, they came out against a, a really solid defense. It's really good on the line of scrimmage. And he was a stud flat out played really, really well. And I mean, he got hit yeah. quite a bit, especially in that second half. Like, and it was clear he was playing through something. Mm-hmm. Right uh, in, in the back half of that game, and it was really good. I I got all kinds of respect for him playing through the pain he was playing through, and Adunze and Poker both studs. Yeah, right. And, and credit to Penix, right, giving those guys a chance. But yeah. that was those guys going and making plays for him, right and. That's why you've heard all the conversation about that wide receiver core, right? McMillan didn't even go really. Yeah. Now they showed him on standing on the sideline a lot. He got a lot of camera time, but those guys, those guys getting those opportunities and then going and making plays. I thought that was, I thought that was kind of the difference in the game was those two guys ability poke in a when they absolutely needed them to go make plays. They did. Yeah. Well, they went and made plays, and they needed every bit of it because Oregon was right there. And frankly, I had some opportunities, several opportunities, not necessarily to win it, but to put themselves in a much better position to win the football game. And I was kind of shocked by some of it. Which which decision? Because there, what there was three of them from Dan Lanning, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the one that a lot of people are discussing is the decision not to punt late in the fourth quarter, right? What was it? Fourth and three from the plus forty seven. There's like two fifteen, two sixteen on the clock, and they were up thirty three twenty nine. Dude, I I kind of was fine with them going for it there, right? Hey, you've got one play. If you convert, you win the game. Now, their defense had been playing really well for quite a stretch of time. If you pin them deep, is Penix able to get it done? I I don't know. But what I hated was the play call. I mean, you go sprint out to the left with a right-handed quarterback? I It just, I don't know. That was strange, man. It's a strange yeah. play call play call in that moment yeah and i don't i don't i mean i i understand being aggressive but i just in my opinion whenever you're you're up four you 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 pin them deep there's there that's not even there's not in my mind there's not even a reason to gamble right there you know um I, I get it. If you convert, then there's a good chance that the football game is over. And and maybe if you if you tell yourself leading into the game, if we've got an opportunity and something shows up like that, we take it. We play aggressive. But I don't know. I I know I was you know barking at the TV. What are they doing? Um, but the real one, like the main one to me, was taking the points before halftime. It seems like that's the one that people 
are bothered by the most, right? And I think if Lanning could do it over again, and he, hey, he said after the game, he was like, it's all on me. This game's on me. He took responsibility for it, um, which I always appreciate hearing from a head coach. But yeah, fourth and goal from the three with six seconds to go in the first half. And once again, I don't know if I even hated the decision to go for it there. I hated the play call. Sprint out again in a one-man route. There's one option. I just, I, I don't understand in that in that moment how you think your best your best play call is a sprint out with a one man route. My guess is they're thinking they're they're trying to get him on the edge where he can pull it down and run forward if it's not there. But I don't know. It's halftime. Just take the three points, and you're getting the ball out of the half. Yeah, just take the three points. I mean, it, there's, it's just an, it's an unnecessary risk at that point in the game. I mean, you, you've put yourself in a great position where you can take the points. Awesome. Great. You head into halftime on a positive note. I mean, if, even if you convert it and get a touchdown, I mean, that's a nice play, but it's got another half of football to play. I, I guess to me, it's just, I'm, I was, I was shocked at that. I'm sitting there saying, <laughs> watching the team say, what is he doing? Would someone please tell him he doesn't need to go for this right here? I shocked, but I get the mindset, especially whenever you're still trying to develop kind of a, a culture and an aggressive mentality with your football team and trying to show those guys that you're putting your trust in them to, to, to really, you know, be able to execute under pressure. I mean, I get all of that, but don't get in the way, you know, like you're, you're supposed to be there like to kind of bring a little bit of perspective to the situation and say, I know everyone's all amped up on the road to get a touchdown here, but we don't need it. Let's just take the three and we'll be fine. Yeah. So they they got no points there. They also went for it on fourth and three from the eight-yard line uh, with like three and a half minutes to go in the third. Incomplete, no points there. So, you know, you end up losing a game by three points where you miss a field goal on the last play of the game. And, yeah, you're obviously – there's going to be a lot of discussion about about those decisions. now. It did feel like in that, you know, kind of that late third quarter, man, it felt like Oregon had all the momentum in this game. Yeah. I mean, Troy Franklin was making plays, right? Some huge chunk plays. Well, Jordan James bullies the entire Washington defense. And it was 33-29. And then Oregon got that fantastic goal line stop. Which, by the way, maybe put the ball in Michael Penix's hands in that situation. I know he was banged up. I don't care. He's your yep. star player. Give him the, give him the football. What are we doing? But credit, credit Washington to get for getting the stops they had to get. And then Penix said they, they almost scored too fast at the end of the game. That was, uh, that was pretty efficient. Two plays touchdown. Yeah, that was wild. Um, you know, it was interesting that 
uh, you're right. Bucky Irving is he's a beast. He's a stud, man. I am. Now there's one. I don't know why. I don't think even think it bothered me. But go back and watch that game. I don't know why Oregon's running backs stand the way that they stand. It, when they're lined up, they like stand straight up and down. I I want I want to talk to Oregon's running back coach about why they do that. It's just a random observation from the game. I was like, why are they? Why is he standing like that? I said it over and over and over again. That guy is really fun to watch. You talk about elusive. That's I. I didn't chart it or anything, but did the first guy ever get him? It didn't appear so. Like, oh my! Some goodness. of those, like he was running through, like three or four people for ten or twelve yards. Um, I just thought of something when you were talking about the running back standing there, and I think that they had ditched this well before you played against them. But Kansas State back in the day used to have their tight end, like the inline tight end, like he's on the ball, part of the core, would stand straight up and down with their hands on their hips like this. Did you ever see that? I don't remember that. It's crazy. Straight <laughs> psycho move. Crazy. I guess like the theory was something about messing with the safeties, read on the high hat, like if he's releasing for a pass or a run, but it's funny. I'll see if I can track down a picture of that. It's it's weird. Yeah, that is I mean that that's kind of what I felt like Oregon they were trying to do something. I I would love to hear the explanation. But they're like standing straight up and down at running back. It's just so strange to watch. You got the only other thing I have on that game was those look like the best two teams in the Pac-12. Uh, I, I I would expect to see them. Now I know that they've got they both got tough schedules the rest of the way, but I would expect to see those two teams playing in the Pac-12 title game, or at least that's that's how it looked to me. Yep. Nope. I agree. Um, two really good quarterbacks. Um, you know, Oregon, I feel like is, is pretty daggum salty on both lines of scrimmage, offensively, defensively, great running game. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I expect both of those teams to meet again in the winter to, uh, to make the college football playoff. I, depending if they can make the rest of the, I know a lot of those teams, they're going to play some really tough games down the stretch here. Yeah, I, I I don't know if this makes any sense at all, but I feel like they've coached too much of Bo Nix out of Bo Nix. I don't I don't need Bo Nix to be like a pocket passer. Yeah. I I need him to I need him to play with a certain amount of reckless abandon for his body. Like just a certain amount. I, I just, I don't know. He felt, I don't know. He just felt a little stiff, like a little robotic. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I am. Well, I think that they're, you know, after he went down last year, it changed their season. No doubt. So I'm guessing there's like, you have to know when to flip the switch, right? When you're going on the road to play a top 10 team in Washington, you need to flip the switch. We need Bo Nix, right? Whenever you're playing Cal at home, okay, deliver the football to some playmakers, be a little bit more robotic, protect yourself a little bit more whenever you do start to move. But, like, 
you're doing that in those moments. So whenever you play a top 10 team like Washington, you could sell out. That's it. I was just kind of thinking about, you know, the performance Dylan Gabriel put together against Texas. Mm -hmm. I like, and how he played that game. And I don't know, Bo Nix just seemed like it was lacking a little, a little spice. He was almost too calm, too yeah. stoic. The like every time they showed him on camera, like he was just stone face, like all good. I don't know. They just it, it felt like something was, and maybe I'm reaching, but it just felt like a little something was missing for me yeah. from Bo Nix in that game. No, I'm with you. But hey, I I think we'll see those two teams play again. All right. Moving on to the next game. The USC Trojans went to South Bend and got smacked. 48 to 20. Let's start here, Ted. I don't know if this is an overreaction or not, but Caleb Williams cannot win the Heisman Trophy because of how he played in this football game. No. Just can't happen. It's over. Yeah. It was going to be incredibly difficult anyways just because there's that kind of almost unwritten rule you know, to win two Heisman trophies. Uh, but it's just, there's no way it's going to be justified after that. Just flat out, it's done. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was as bad as I've seen him earlier in that game. What, overthrows the tight end for, a or, uh, for an interception, right? Notre Dame makes him pay, goes and scores a touchdown. Throw through another bad interception deep in their own territory. Notre Dame goes and scores a touchdown, right? 17, three. And he, uh, I mean, he was the, he was the main reason why bad, bad decisions with the football, bad throws. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his third interception of the first half, what that gave Notre Dame the ball at about midfield. They go and score a touchdown. I mean, it was it was twenty four to three, and that game felt it felt over at that point in time. But credit to uh, just a tremendous job by Notre Dame's defense. It, it's not like Caleb Williams was making these throws sitting comfortably in the pocket, right? Right. He was he was uncomfortable. They were in his face. Now he still made some bad decisions, but. Credit to Notre Dame for getting that type of pressure on him. And then when he made mistakes with the football, they absolutely made him pay, right? They picked him off, and then the offense went and scored touchdowns. That's how you blow a team out in a game of this magnitude. Yeah, and you could tell that you know up to this point, USC, had like, they've had a light schedule. Um, and you could tell the difference it makes – when the quality of defensive players that are chasing Caleb Williams around, I, that makes a big difference. I, a lot of those, those sacks that they ended up getting on him and, and, you know, hitting him and getting him to the ground. A lot of those in previous games, those situations, he's able to escape and turn it into a big play. But, you know, the step up and caliber of player that he's up against, he just could not get out of a lot of those situations. And a lot of times he, instead of, because he's used to being able to get out of it, you know, he just, he didn't throw the ball away and he took some really bad sacks. Yeah. He was, 
he was not good. Like, can USC fans really even be mad at their defense? I mean, well, it was the it was the op the offense put them in horrible spots. Now, what Notre Dame had like two hundred and fifty one yards of offense in this game and scored forty eight points. Yeah. I mean, Sam Hartman completed 13 passes. He had 126 yards passing. They scored 48 points. Yeah, if you if you just caught the the scores that scrolled across and said, "Up, oh, USC's defense does it to him again," you kind of missed the picture of this one. And the feeling we had around here watching the game was <laughs> the defense is finally going to be like, "Whoo!" At least it's not on us this weekend, which is going to be hard to convince people whenever there's 48 points that were put up on the board but i mean i agree with that sentiment that the score leads you to believe that the defense was was horrible again but really it was you know the offense essentially gifting them 21 points yeah and then you've got some other mess ups in there too yeah and i i guess the one thing you could put on usc's defense is it felt like in the second half, anytime USC was getting some momentum, right? There there were two huge sequences, right? USC goes and scores, cut it to 24-13, about midway through the third, right? That was on the option play, right? Where he pitches it to Lloyd, he takes it to the house. Uh, I thought the way that Notre Dame answered with that big play to Chris Tyree, right, from Hartman, thought that was huge, right? Extended it back out to 31-13, uh, USC gets a got a lot of an infusion of energy, right? Zachariah Branch, hell of a punt return. Yeah, he's, good to see him back out there. That dude's whoo, electric. He is crazy good, crazy. But good. Uh, Caleb Williams, after that, he finds Brendan Rice for the touchdown. They cut it to thirty-one twenty. And what does Notre Dame do? They they house the kickoff, right? Yep. What Jadarian Price goes ninety-nine to extend it back out to thirty-eight to twenty. So when 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 it felt like USC was grabbing any type of momentum in the second half, Notre Dame just killed it. And that was, I mean, that's that's what you have to do in big games like that. And yeah, credit credit to that that football team. And that that was a big win for Marcus Freeman, man. Huge. That he needed that. He needed that. And I think that you've seen him like some of those responses on the sideline whenever they'd get a sack or a big play. It, that was cool to see. That was fun to see him uh, in a good spot there. Yeah. And now, luckily for USC, uh, they've got a get-right game coming up next week. Just kidding. They've got Utah. <laughs> I was about to say, is like... They've got Utah. Then they have Washington and Oregon and UCLA also left on the schedule. I mean, four oh. losses with the with the way that that offensive line played. Notre Dame worked that group. I mean, they beat them up. Now, uh, three losses, four losses. I, I think that is definitely in play with the remaining schedule they've got. Right, they got some physical football teams left on their schedule. Now they still got Caleb Williams, right? And he, I don't think he's going to play as poorly as he did very often. But if that O-line can't protect him, could it, it could be a long back half of the season for USC. Yeah, and I'm interested to see kind of how that team responds because 
record-wise, they've been in a good spot. But, you know, there's been – with the way the defense has been going and uh, just the media surrounding USC hasn't been very good. And you throw a loss in there, a, a, a big loss, like you took to Notre Dame and, and what the rest of the season looks like. you got to start to wonder – how good is this group going to stay together down the stretch before they splinter? Because these aren't a bunch of guys that came in the same recruiting classes together and developed a bunch of culture and chemistry as they've moved through. This is a, you know, a bunch of guys that have been kind of thrown in the mix together. We'll see how that works. You know, it could be, could be something where they pull together tighter as a group, or it could be where they splinter and you start to see some issues. Yeah. And that's where, this game, I there's a lot, there's a lot for them to still play for, right? If they run the table the rest of the way, and their only loss is to Notre Dame on the road, maybe they're still in the college football playoff, right? I I would assume they would be if they were a one loss Pac-12 champion. But man, you look at that remaining schedule; it feels like whatever their goals were this season. They're going to have – I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to reach this, right? Because Washington – and I think Washington and Oregon are definitely better football teams than USC. So, I, I don't know. I'm with you. There could be we'll, – we'll see how that group sticks together. Yeah. They're going to have to beat uh, – Utah and UCLA are as good, at least, as USC – Oregon and Washington are both better. So agreed. You're, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to play really good in order to run that table and have some help. No doubt. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the Hip Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. And Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Strongly considered going with Iowa State as a five-point dog going into Cincinnati and whipping that ass. Um, Look out for Iowa State. They're getting it together offensively. Rocco Beck looking really good. Um, They're starting to come around, starting to get that run game. You know, it's funny that we talked with with, um, was Jeff Woody before the – the game and all they were running was the zone stuff. Now all they're running is gap stuff. It looks like, or a big chunk of it. And 
they're starting to have some success, and that defense, uh, as always, is is playing really good. So they're going to be a dangerous team down the stretch. But does Oklahoma State have the best running back in the Big 12? I'll tell you right now. Woo! That man, Ollie Gordon, was running wild in that football game. He has the last three putting up some numbers and he and it's not like it's not like everything is blocked up just beautifully for him either you know no. they're doing a good job i don't want to take anything away from that offense but dude he is just an animal whenever he's got that ball in his hands what do you go for 280 some yards uh total offense something crazy like that he uh, had 168 on the ground and 116 receiving big almost three bills total offense he was an animal and it's kind of been out of nowhere the last three games you know and even the Iowa State game was really that that one long explosive run was the most of his his yards but I don't know if something he flipped a switch or what because he's been an animal since then I and there's no way to measure this but he has been he's been much better. But ever since they kind of settled on Alan Bowman in that group who knew their who knew who their quarterback was, it's crazy. The offense has started playing better. Yeah. Uh, o line's playing better, run game's gotten going. Right? And Bowman hasn't I mean, I'm not trying to make it sound like he's lit it up, but like there's just they should have made him the guy earlier. Yeah. And if they would have, and I'm I'm sure Gundy will always wonder if I would have, what would this season look like? But I think that's just, when you know who your starting quarterback is, it just kind of brings a calm to your entire football team. Yep. That little QB roulette thing to start the year, that was a mistake. Especially whenever there's not, I, no one, no one really goes, like it's one thing if one of those guys is just, you know, a freak athlete with the ball in his hands and can run around and make stuff happen. Right. You know, there just really wasn't a whole lot of difference between between the guys. Not enough to make you say that okay, maybe we'll we'll continue to play multiple guys. But I I think Oklahoma State is going to be a really really tough out the rest of the way. The way they're running the football, defense looks like they're starting to settle in a little bit. Um, in a good spot, man. Never count Oklahoma State out. Yeah, I'm I'm with you and. Kind of thought we were going to have a stress-free bedlam this year, right? With the way that they started the season. Not feeling the same way anymore, right? No. I I think that that team, they're playing much better. They're also, you watch, man, that's a physical football team. Yeah. Right? So that trip to Stillwater, they they don't have Texas, right? right. So that, that trip to Stillwater, that is now... That's going to be a massive game in the Big 12 Conference, right? It was already going to be a huge game, right, with it being the last bedlam for who knows how long. But with the way that Oklahoma State looks right now, that's that's going to be a massive game. It could determine who plays in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. I've been saying it even before I believed it, that that's going to be the toughest game on our schedule after Texas. And it looks like that's that's gonna gonna show up because I until they play us at Bedlam, I I think they're gonna win out. 
Who knows, man? Who knows? A, I mean, that's a hard football team to figure out. That's true. That's true. Uh, but hey, they got a beast at running back. That's a good place to start. No doubt about it. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh, this one was painful to watch, like physically painful. West Virginia. Ooh. That was that was harsh. They just never it looked like a couple of different times in that game. It's like, okay, we've played like crap, but we're finally gonna get things on the right track and start to to play with some efficiency and some consistency. But, you know, they two steps forward, one step back, shoot themselves in the foot, let Houston back into it. Nonstop. And then finally, ah, uh, they make a miracle happen and score a touchdown with what, 12 seconds left to go? Just left a little too much time on the clock. I mean, you just think about the emotional roller coaster at the end of that game for both teams, right? I, I mean, Holgerson, uh, tossing the headset, uh, I, I was right there with him. I mean, to give up a 50 yard touchdown on it was fourth and 10. And you give up a 50-yard touchdown with 12 seconds to go in the game. And then you go and throw a 50-yard Hail Mary to win the game. I mean, both of those teams, you talk about an emotional roller coaster for everyone involved. I mean, unbelievable. Watching the end of that game unfold, I was like, what is happening? Well, I picked West Virginia as my lock of the week. So I knew what was going to happen before uh, – before Houston ever had to line up and heave the thing down towards the end zone, I already saw the writing on the wall. I know how this thing is. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I just, they've, they've just, they've left the door open. I will be punished. Would, would you pull something out of your, your rear end like you did to get the win? No, ball don't lie. We know what's about to go on here, especially whenever you get the penalty afterwards. That was. That was an awesome Thursday night game, though. Great. Yeah, that was awesome. Which was, it was really fun because we were all watching it. So I, I know there's this big debate about, you know, games being played definitely on Friday nights, but a little Thursday night Big 12 action. I could I like get it. used to that, especially like OU's it. going to the SEC. I could get used to some consistent Thursday night Big 12 action. I agree. It's good. All right. Let's I finish up with my. Let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that'll give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit Chapel Supply com that c h a p p e l l supply.com and first fidelity bank knows how to keep fans like you happy with more than 50 awards in the last five years including forbes best in state bank the oklahoma's community choice awards and the journal records reader rankings it's clear that they are oklahoma's number one pick for quality banking and you can find that level of outstanding service in everything ffb offers Open an account at an award-winning bank today at ffb.com. First Fidelity Bank, we go where you go. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear 
out there. And that's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And if you have not seen the Stutzman shirt, my goodness. I bet they, I bet the presses are just on fire turning those things out. I bet they've sold a ton of them. They have, they've tried to hire more people to keep up with the demand for that t-shirt. It is their best-selling shirt ever. Not a shock. Yeah. I've yet to see one in the wild, though. I I bet they'll be all over the place this week at, at the game. At the at the rate that they're selling them, the entire stadium may be wearing them, Ted. <laughs> it's amazing. Are if you haven't have seen stu- it. Is it going to be a Stutzman out at the uh, at the stadium? It just might be. <laughs> I mean, just an, uh, just an awesome shirt if you haven't seen it. Go check it out. And the promo code works for it. How about that? That's great. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I'm going to North Carolina. I, I I haven't really, and I'm not sure I'm sold on North Carolina yet. It's like a true contender. But they're 6-0 and after they beat Miami, right? They win 41-31. And it was interesting. Watching the first half of that game, I thought Miami was a better football team. I thought they were a better team on the field, but and it, and it felt like Miami should have had a double-digit lead at halftime, but credit to that North Carolina defense, right? They really stepped up in the second half. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke in that Miami offense could not, couldn't get much of anything going in that third quarter. And Drake May and North Carolina's offense, like that's they they started separating when their defense was getting stops. They were making plays. They were scoring points. And that that getting the separation they got in that third quarter was huge in that football game. Also, now I understand why Mac Brown was so pissed when they ruled Tess Walker ineligible. Guy can play a little bit, Ted. My goodness. No kidding. Yeah, that's that's kind of a game changer for them. Um, you know what's crazy though? Um just watching this game, I was flipping around. But unless I was seeing things, I mean, North Carolina was number 12 in the country, undefeated. They've got a one-loss top 25 Miami football team in town. This is a a big – there's a lot weighing on this for the ACC. And there's a bunch of empty seats in that stadium. Basketball school, Ted. Well, you would think you'd have a bunch of – bandwagon fans jumping on whenever you're ranked number 12 in the country and you're undefeated, right? No, I ask too much, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Basketball shocked at that. Well, the reason no one shows up is because they don't have a good quarterback. Nope. Yeah. Can't use that as an excuse. If they only had, if they only had maybe the number one overall pick, uh, in this year's draft on their team. I didn't really notice that. Was there that many empty seats? I don't know. It, I, the seats are blue, and like whenever they lined up to kick a field goal, and they showed like the end zone look into the end zone, almost the entire end zone was empty. So I don't know if it was just like the timing of it or what, but I know whenever I saw that, I was like, "Wow, what's?" I figured there'd be right a total sellout crowd there. Huh. Interesting. 
I don't care about North Carolina attendance, <laughs> but hey, that is interesting. Yeah. Now, watching that game, uh, Amarion Hampton was awesome for North Carolina. Uh, he was doing it on the ground, had a receiving touchdown as well, well almost had 200 yards rushing. Uh, he he made some really nice plays late in that game. And when you look at the ACC, it, it's interesting because North Carolina, they win this game, feels like a big deal. They're undefeated. They don't play Florida State in the regular season. Right, Their toughest games left are Duke in Chapel Hill on November 11th, and they're on the road against Clemson on November 18th. You know, that that's a tough back-to-back for them, but I, I still don't think they're a true contender, and Drake May is a hell of a football player. Even I didn't think he even played particularly that well in this game. But I are they a real threat? Like, are, are, should I be considering them for like a trip to the college football playoff? I don't know. I just don't, I don't see that when I watch them. I don't either. But when you look at the schedule on paper, I know that's, they're very likely to be playing in the ACC championship game. Right. And the schedule isn't, it's weird. It's just difficult enough to where it looks like they went through a really tough schedule. But, you know, I think they're I think they're better than Clemson right now. I think they can beat Duke. Miami's a good win. South Carolina's a good win. And if you got like I would favor Florida State in the ACC championship game, but in a one off game you never know what might happen. Yeah. Like it'll be one of the rare chances Florida State walks into a game this year and they don't have the best quarterback on the field. So, and I think North Carolina's a, they're better on uh the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball than I than I thought they would be, especially on the defensive side. So, I but all of that being said, they don't look like any of the other contenders do. They don't look right. like Oregon. They don't look like Oklahoma or Texas. They don't look like Ohio State or Michigan, but I schedule wise and record wise, they may be in the conversation. Right, you can't ignore them. Right, you know. So that's where they're just like, huh, North Carolina, okay. But hey, we'll we'll see how it plays out. You would think that at some point they will look like North, like you would expect North Carolina to look, but you never know. Not not if Tez Walker keeps catching three touchdown passes. Dude was running by people. Yeah, it's wild. That was was impressive. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Mark Stoops. Tough, tough two weeks for Coach Stoops there at Kentucky. Made a lot of waves with the NIL comment after after what happened against Georgia last week. Just not a great sequence to say that and then have Missouri come to Lexington and dominate you in the fourth quarter. And lose by seventeen. Yeah. Just, just a bad sequence, you know. What a change in! All right, they go and they just absolutely curb stomp Florida. Yeah, and it looks like Kentucky is 
for real. And then Georgia, like, okay, Georgia's Georgia. But then Missouri, it's pretty wild. I still, even after the Georgia game, I said the same thing last week. What what do Florida fans think as they continue to to watch this stuff unfold? Yeah, I don't know, but you, I almost went with Louisville. Also, yeah, they dominated Notre Dame last weekend, and then you go to Pitt, lose the turnover batter three zero, get outscored twenty four to nothing in the second half, and you lose by seventeen. I mean, that's the most college football thing ever that Louisville just did. Don't turn the football over it it it, a lot of time it don't matter how much better you are than your opponent if you lose the turnover battle three to zero in all likelihood you're going to lose the football game just those are wise words my friend but my loser the weekend i'm going texas tech now they got off to a very bad start this year they had the loss to Wyoming, they lost to Oregon, lost to West Virginia, right? They started one and three. But they'd found a little success in the last couple of weeks, right? It, it played well. It gets, and I'm not trying to make it sound like Houston and Baylor are really good teams. They're not, but played well against Houston, played well against Baylor. They're sitting there at three and three, right? They were two and one in Big 12 play. Seemed like some people around that program were starting to think that they were maybe capable of accomplishing some things that they'd talked about accomplishing before the season started. Well, it came to a screeching halt via the legs of Avery Johnson. My goodness. The freshman for K-State, Ted, count them. Five rushing touchdowns. K-State went to Lubbock, beat him 38-21. Avery Johnson, nice to meet you, young man. Impressive stuff crazy and you know it was interesting like the like because I was flipping back and forth and I flip over there and Will Howard not in the football game and not injured and not injured it's like interesting just standing over on the sideline essentially the entire second half now I thought Will Howard handled it very well right He was out there celebrating every time every Johnson was scoring. He was talking to the O-line. Like, he handled it. He handled it as well as you could handle it. But Chris Kleiman, after the game, he basically said, hey, they were giving us run game stuff, so guess what we did? We took it. And 272 yards later on the ground, and yeah, kind of hard to argue with, man. (laughs) So it's definitely a situation that is – worth monitoring moving forward because you know how that fan base is going to react now right this was a guy that was very highly recruited right he's like one of the highest recruited guys they've ever signed at k-state and for him to go into the game and do that i you you just know how the fans are going to react right i i kind of feel bad for will howard it's it's the old saying, it's hard to put the toothpaste back into the uh, tube. Well, that's kind of what Kansas State's going to be dealing with from this point on, right? It's like, as soon as you make that move, you better know, because uh, you're going to wedge the fan base, you're going to wedge the the locker room. I mean, any time, like if, if Will Howard starts, as soon as he throws an incomplete pass, you know what's happening. 
I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. Some grumblings. Yeah. Yeah, it's – now, I'll say this about Avery Johnson. Guy's got some speed. I was really impressed with his patience, right, the way that he was allowing some of the blocks to develop, right. Did some really good stuff, man. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if it's going to be a, a two-QB system for them moving forward, but – I know this, man. I'm, I'm glad OU doesn't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I I, I just – it was so funny because I flipped it over and I was like, what happened? Who is this guy uh, playing quarterback with the hair sticking out of the helmet? The first thing it reminded me of was the guy uh, from the last dance that was – I think was tossing quarters with Jordan. was like, you know, <laughs> doing the shrug. <laughs> When the security the, guy. When I saw the blonde curls coming out of the helmet, I was like, "What's going on here? What's the, who is this kid?" And uh, he's got it though. Dude can uh, can play. That's crazy. It's. You think Will Howard's going to be playing tight end or? I, if he ends up moving to tight end, <laughs> after all the hell we've gotten for that take, oh my gosh. I apologize to him to his face. If he ends up switching to tight end, I expect I expect a phone call from Will Howard going, "Hey man, you're right." Well, yeah. no, I I don't know what's going to happen, right? But that there's definitely like Avery Johnson's going to take a lot of snaps for him, though. No doubt. Uh, I mean, there's just no doubt. But on the other side of things, Joe McGuire pulled Baron Morton, and I listened to the presser afterwards. He basically said. We didn't think Baird could protect himself out there anymore. I was like, what does that even mean? I, I, Is that the old I'm seeing ghosts comment? I don't know. He was a little banged up there. Like, yeah, we were worried about his ability to protect himself. I was like, uh, that seems problematic. So they went with the freshman, Jake Strong, and they basically gave him the entire second half. Dude threw three interceptions. Like three possessions in a row. It was not good. Mm. But this is the thing I don't understand about Tech. They had been more balanced these last couple of weeks, right? Taj Brooks is a really good back. Yeah. I think he's one of the best backs in the Big 12. That in the second half, the the freshman they put in threw it 28 times. Meanwhile, Taj Brooks had 17 carries. I mean, what is Zach Kitley doing? I just I don't understand some of that. Like that to to ask your freshman what hey, hey man, go go throw us to victory. What just doesn't make much sense. But tech now a three and four football team, Ted. And bowl eligibility is questionable. Right? They gotta win three of these five at BYU. TCU at KU UCF and at Texas. I don't know, man. For a season that started with some high expectations from some people, right? Some people are talking, hey, dark horse to win the Big 12, dark horse to go to the college football playoff to your three and four and bowl eligibility is not looking great. No, I... I, I, you know, we talked about this. I thought people were way too optimistic about Texas Tech. 
you know, they had they had a good group of some senior players last year and they had a big reset and I still think ultimately McGuire is going to be a good fit there. It's just going to take a little bit of time to get the recruiting and everything online and, and coming through. But um, I don't see him winning three out of those five. I just don't. I'm with you. I have no idea who the third best team in the big 12 is. I thought it might be West Virginia. They just lost to Houston. I thought it might be Kansas. They just lost to Oklahoma state. Maybe it's K-State with Avery Johnson running wild. Maybe it's Iowa State right I'm now like that they've got a rhythm State, offensively. I'm like in Iowa State. Now, are they – the thing is, is I think K-State at times is the third best team. I think Iowa State at times maybe they are, and I think even Oklahoma State at times maybe they are. It's just no one of those group has done enough to expect any type of consistency yet that should play itself out i'm with you it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting finish to the big 12 season are we sure texas is the second best yes i am i mean who who are you gonna say is the second best if we can't even pick third best who the hell's second best well i I guess other than OU in texas i guess what i'm saying is is texas going to be mired kind of in that that group i think they're better i think i think you're right but i think they're good yeah but i don't know man it's gonna be gonna be an interesting finish it is it's good though it's what we want no doubt all right birthday shout outs happy second birthday to jackson bostwick happy third birthday to kipton king Happy 10th birthday to Giovanni Rodriguez. Happy 12th birthday to Brody Bam Bam McKnight. Happy 40th birthday to Mr. Aaron Sutherland. And happy 55th birthday to Brant Caps. And happy birthday to Zane Zuber. What a name. Nice. On that note, episode 362 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. We'll be previewing OUUCF. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.